number ten of a christmas miscellany twenty seventeen by various this librivox recording is in the public domain number ten shakespeare's christmas by sir arthur thomas quiller couch part one and moreover at this fair there is at all times to be seen jugglings cheats games plays fools apes knaves and rogues and that of every kind now as i said the ways to the celestial city lies just through this town where this lusty fair is kept and he that will go to the city and yet not go through this town must needs go out of the world bunyan one at the theatre in shoreditch on christmas eve fifteen ninety eight the lord chamberlain's servants presented a new comedy never had the burbages played to such a house it cheered every speech good bad or indifferent to be sure some of the dramatis personae prince hal and falstaff bardolph and mistress quickly were old friends but this alone would not account for such a welcome a cut-purse in the twopenny gallery who had been paid to lead the applause gave up toiling in the wake of it and leaned back with a puzzled grin bravo master said he to his left-hand neighbour a burly red-faced countryman well past middle age whose laughter kept the bench rocking but have a care lest they mistake you for the author the author <laughs> but here he broke off to leap to his feet and lead another round of applause the author he repeated dropping back and glancing an eye sidelong from under his handkerchief while he mopped his brow you shoot better than you know my friend the bolt grazes but a miss they say is as good as a mile the cut-purse kept his furtive grin but was evidently mystified a while before it had been the countryman who showed signs of bewilderment until the drawing of the curtains he had fidgeted nervously then as now mopping his forehead in despite of the raw december air the first shouts of applause had seemed to astonish as well as delight him when for example a player stepped forward and flung an arm impressively towards heaven while he recited when we mean to build we first survey the plot and then draw the model and so paused with a smile his voice drowned in thunder from every side of the house our friend had rubbed his eyes and gazed around in amiable protest as who should say come come but let us discriminate by and by however as the indifferent applause grew warmer he warmed with it at the entrance of falstaff he let out a bellowing laugh worthy of olympian jove and from that moment led the house the fops on the sixpenny stools began to mimic the pit and lower gallery to crane necks for a sight of their fugelman a few serious playgoers called to have him pitched out but the mass of the audience backed him with shouts of encouragement some wag hailed him as burbage's landlord and apparently there was meaning if not merit in the jest without understanding it he played up to it royally leaning forward for each tally-ho and afterwards waving his hat as a huntsman laying on his hounds the pace of the performance it had begun at one o'clock dragged sensibly with all this and midway in act four as the edge of the grey river fog overlapped and settled gradually upon the well of the unroofed theatre voices began to cough and call for lanterns 
two lackeys ran with a dozen some they hung from the balcony at the back others they disposed along both sides of the stage in front of the sixpenny stools the audience all the while chaffing them by their christian names and affectionately pelting them with nuts still the fog gathered until the lantern rays criss-crossed the stage in separate shafts and among them the actors moved through act five in a luminous haze their figures looming large their voices muffled and incredibly remote an idle apprentice seated on the right of the cut-purse began for a game to stop and unstop his ears this gave the cut-purse an opportunity to search his pockets cantat vacuus the apprentice felt him at it and went on with his game whenever he stopped his ears the steaming breath of the players reminded him of the painted figures he had seen carried in my lord mayor's show with labels issuing from their mouths he had stopped his ears during the scene of king henry's reconciliation with chief justice gascoigne and unstopped them eagerly again when his old friends reappeared falstaff and bardolph and pistol all agog and hurrying hot foot boot and saddle to salute the rising sun of favour welcome these pleasant days he stamped and clapped following his neighbour's lead and also because his feet and hands were cold ah what was the matter surely the fog had taken hold of the rogues what was happening to mistress quickly and doll tearsheet poor souls they were but children they had meant no harm for certain this plaguy fog was infecting the play and yet for all the fog the play was a play no longer but of a sudden had become savagely real why was this man turning on his puppets and rending them the worst was they bled not sawdust but real blood the apprentice cracked a nut and peeled it meditatively with a glance along the bench the countryman still fugled the cut-purse cackled with lips drawn back like a wolf's showing his yellow teeth hist thou silly knave said the apprentice canst not see tis a tragedy the rascal peered at him for a moment burst out laughing and nudged the countryman eh master breeds your common at home any such goose as this that cannot tell tickling from roasting the apprentice cracked another nut ah, give it time he answered i said a tragedy yours if you will my friend his too may be with a long and curious stare at the countryman two my tongue is weary when my legs are too i will bid you good-night and so kneel down before you but indeed to pray for the queen play epilogue dance all were over the curtains drawn the lanterns hidden behind them the cut-purse had slipped away and the countryman and apprentice found themselves side by side waiting while the gallery dissolved its crowd into the fog a brisk fellow remarked the one nodding at the vacant seat as he stowed away his handkerchief but why should he guess me a rustic the fellow has no discernment the apprentice answered dryly he even took the play for a merry one the countryman peered forward into the young old face silhouetted against the glow which cast upward over the curtain-rod across the stage but faintly reached the gallery i love wit sir wherever i meet it for a pint of sack you shall prove me this play a sad one and choose your tavern 
i thank you but had liefer begin and discuss the epilogue and the epilogue is who's to pay a gentleman of warwickshire master what do you lack will that content you a gentleman of warwickshire with coat of arms or the college's promise which i take it amounts to the same thing the countryman puffed his cheeks so so the prentice chuckled when we mean to build we first survey the plot and then search our pockets how goes it either so or to that effect the devil the countryman who had been fumbling in his breek pockets drew forth two hands blankly spreading empty fingers that was your neighbour sir a brisk fellow as you were clever enough to detect albeit unserviceably late i wish we had made acquaintance sooner twould have given me liberty to warn you it had been a christian's merest duty la la master in london the sneaking of a purse is no such rarity that a poor prentice pays two pence to gape at it i paid to see the play sir and fought hard for my seat before my master gave over beating me in fear of my inches and his wife who has a liking for me he taught me to husband my time for your purse the back of my head had eyes enough to tell me what befalls when a lean dog finds himself alongside a bone he seated himself on the bench unstrapped a shoe slipped two fingers beneath his stocking and drew forth a silver piece if a gentleman of warwickshire will be beholden to a poor apprentice of cheapside put it up boy put it up i need not your money good lad but i like the spirit of that offer and to meet it will enlarge my promise a pint of sack did i say you shall sup with me to-night and of the best or i am a dutchman we will go see the town together the roaring gallant town i will make you free of great company you shall hear the talk of gods lord how a man rusts in the country for i will confess it to you lad the rogue hit the mark the country is my home i cannot think how he guessed it nor i and yet he was wrong too for that cannot be called home where a man is never at his ease i had passed your years lad before ever i saw london and ever since when my boots have been deepest in midland clay i have heard her bells summon me clear as ever they call to whittington london thou art of towns a per se nay almost on that first pilgrimage i came to her as a son urbem quam dicunt romam i was no such clodpate as that rustic of virgil's i came expecting all things and of none did she disappoint me give me the capital before all tis only there a man measures himself with men and cut purses the apprentice interjected good and bad rough and smooth the countryman assented with a large and catholic smile tis no question of degrees my friend but of kind i begin to think that dwelling in london you have not made her acquaintance but you shall as a father lad for i like you i will open your eyes and teach your inheritance what say you to the bankside for example the bankside mm, and as a father scoffed the youth but his eyes glistened he was wise beyond his opportunities and knew all about the bankside albeit he had never walked through that quarter but in daylight wondering at the histories behind its house-fronts as a father i said and evil be to him who evil thinks 
i can tell you of one who will think evil and that is my master i can tell you of another and that will be the sheriff when i am hailed before him you said just now or my hearing played a trick that your mistress had a liking for you and you said evil be to him that evil thinks she hath a double chin and owns to fifty-five what chins years years master like a grandmother she dotes on me and looks after my morals nathless when you talk of bankside the apprentice hesitated in the dusk his shrewd young eyes glistened say that i risk it he hesitated again lads were not so cautious in my young days i pay the shot i tell you a gentleman of warwickshire and known to the college of arms it standeth on paul's wharf and handy for the ferry to bankside but the college closes early on christmas eve and the heralds be all at holiday and you think of pawning your coat of arms with them to raise the wind never say that i let you take that long way round without warning leave the cost to me once more the countryman gazed down into the well of the theatre as if seeking an acquaintance among the figures below but what are they doing what a plague means this hammering a man cannot hear himself speak for it tis the play the play the true play the play you applauded and writ by the same will shakespeare they tell me some share of it at least cometh he not by the way from your part of the world the countryman's eyes glistened in their turn almost in the dusk they appeared to shine with tears ay i knew him down in warwickshire a good lad he was though his mother wept over him for a wild one hast ever seen a hen when her duckling takes to water so it is with women when haply she has hatched out genius the apprentice slapped his leg i could have sworn it eh nay question me not master for i cannot bring it to words you tell me that you knew him and i on the instant i clapped my eyes on you it seemed that somehow you were part of his world and somehow had belonged to him nearer i cannot get unless you tell me more well, i knew him to be sure down in warwickshire but he has gone some dell beyond my ken living in london you see he goes beyond any man's kenning he that has taught us to ken the world with new eyes i tell you master the apprentice stretched out a hand i go seeking him like one seeking a father who has begotten him into a new world seeking him with eyes derived from him tell me but the countryman was leaning over the gallery rail and scanning the pit again he seemed a trifle bored by a conversation if not of less than certainly of other wit than he had bargained for somebody had drawn the curtains back from the stage where the two lackeys who had decked the balcony with lanterns were busy now with crowbars levering its wooden supports from their sockets sure said he musing they don't lift and pack away the stage every night do they or is this some new law to harass players he brought his attention back to the apprentice with an effort if you feel that way towards him lad he answered why not accost him he walks london streets and he has if i remember a courteous easy manner if the man and his secret were one but they are not and there lies the fear that by finding one i shall miss the other and recover it never i cannot dare either risk i want them both 
you saw this afternoon how when the secret came within grasp the man slipped away how having taught us to know falstaff as a foot its old shoe he left us wondering on a sudden why we laughed and yet twas not sudden but bred in the play from the beginning no nor cruel but merely right only he had persuaded us to forget it the countryman put up a hand to hide a yawn and the yawn ended in a slow chuckle ah, that rogue falstaff was served out handsomely though to tell the truth i paid no great heed to the last scene my midriff being sore with laughing the apprentice sighed but what is happening below the other went on impatiently are they taking the whole theatre to pieces that is part of the play a whole regiment of workmen and no stage army either yet they come into the play uh, not the play you saw without understanding but the play you understand without seeing they call it the phoenix be seated master while i unfold the plot this hammering deafens me the burbages you must know i knew old james the father he brought me down a company of players to our town the year i was high bailiff the first that ever played in our guild hall though a countryman i have loved the arts even to the length of losing much money by them a boon fellow old james and yet dignified as any alderman he died uh, let me see was it two years gone the news kept me sad for a week a good player too the apprentice nodded though not a patch upon his son richard cuthbert will serve in ripe sententious parts that need gravity and a good memory for the lines but richard bears the bell of the burbages well sir old james being dead and suddenly and as you say these two years come february his sons must go suing to the ground landlord the theatre being leased upon their dad's life you follow me the countryman nodded in his turn very well the landlord being a skinflint was willing to renew the lease but must raise the rent if they refused to pay it the playhouse fell to him you may fancy how the burbages called gods and men to witness being acquainted with players you must know how little they enjoy affliction until the whole town shares it never so rang jerusalem with all the woes of jeremy as did city and suburb from north beyond bishopsgate to south beyond the river with the cursings of this landlord who to cap the humour of it is a precisian and never goes near a playhouse nevertheless he patched up a truce for two years ending to-night raising the rent a little but not to the stretch of his demands to-morrow or rather the day after since to-morrow is christmas the word is pay or quit but in yielding this he yielded our friends the counterstroke they have bought a plot across the water in the clink liberty and to-morrow should he pass this way to church no theatre will be here for him to smack his puritan lips over but for this hammering and the deep slush outside you might even now hear the rumbling of wagons for wagons there be a dozen of them ready to cart the muses over the bridge before midnight tis the proper vehicle of thespis see those dozen stout rascals lifting the proscenium the countryman smote his great hands together flung back his head and let his lungs open in shout after shout of laughter 
but master ho ho hold my size lad or i start a rib nay if you keep staring at me with that solemn face don't 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 now i know murmured the apprentice what kind of jest goes down in the country and by our lady it goes deep but an instant later the man had heaved himself upon his feet his eyes expanded from their creases into great o's his whole body towered and distended itself in gigantic indignation the villain the nipcheese curmudgeonly villain and we tarry here talking while such things are done in england a nabel i say give me a hammer he heaved up an enormous thigh and bestrode the gallery rail have a care master the rail a hammer below there a hammer he leaned over bellowing the gang of workmen lifting the proscenium stared up open-mouthed into the foggy gloom a ring of ghostly faces upturned in a luminous haze already the man's legs dangled over the void twelve fifteen feet perhaps beneath him projected a lower gallery empty but for three tiers of disordered benches plumb as a gannet he dropped and an eloquent crash of timber reported his arrival below the apprentice craning over saw him regain his feet scramble over the second rail and vanish followed an instant silence a dull thud a cry from the workman in the area the apprentice ran for the gallery stairs and leapt down them three steps at a time it took him maybe forty seconds to reach the area there already stripped to the shirt in a whirl of dust and voices stood his friend waving a hammer and shouting down the loudest the man was possessed transformed a boanerges his hammer a hammer of thor he had caught it from the hand of a deuce sober-looking man in a plum-coloured doublet who stood watching but taking no active share in the work by your leave sir with or without my leave good sir since you are determined to have it said the quiet man surrendering the hammer the countryman snatched and thrust it between his knees while he stripped then having spat on both hands he grasped the hammer and tried its poise tis odd now said he as if upon an afterthought staring down on the quiet man but methinks i know your voice mary and there's justice in that the quiet man answered for tis the ghost of one you drowned erewhile three tom what tom where be the others i tell ee tom there have been things is that dick burbage a frail thin windlestraw of a man came coughing across the foggy courtyard with a stable lantern holding it high its rays wavered on his own face which was younger but extraordinarily haggard and on the piles of timber between and over which he picked his way timbers heaped pell-mell in the slush of the yard or stacked against the boundary wall some daubed with paint others gilded wholly or in part and twinkling as the lantern swung dick burbage already has it miscarried then miscarried what in the world was there to miscarry i tell thee tom but where be the others the frail man jerked a thumb at the darkness behind his shoulder hark to them back yonder stacking the beams where should they be and what doing but at work like galley-slaves by the pace you have kept us going look around 
i tell you from the first twas busy all to get the yard clear between the wagons coming and at the fifth load we gave it up my shirt clings like a dishclout a chill on this will be the death of me what a plague how many scoundrels did you hire that they take a house to pieces and cart it across thames faster than we can unload it that's the colonel of the story lad i hired the two score rogues agreed on neither more nor less but one descended out of heaven and raised the number to twelve score ten score extra as i am a sinner and yet but one man for i counted him his name he told me was legion dick said the other sadly when a sober man gives way to drinking i don't blame you and your pocket will be the loser more than all the rest if you've boggled to-night's work but poor cuthbert will take it to heart there was a man i tell you tut tut pull yourself together and run back across bridge or let me go take my arm now before the others see you you shall tell me on the way what's wrong at shoreditch there is not wrong with shoreditch for by that it has lost a theatre and i am not drunk tom nash no not by one-tenth as drunk as i deserve to be seeing that the house is down every stick of it and the bells scarce yet tolling midnight twas all this man i tell you down the theatre down oh go back dick burbage level with the ground i tell you his sight a habitation for the satyr sakidit sakidit babylon illa magna and the last remains of it more by token following close on my heels in six wagons hist then my thomas my didymus my doubting one canst not hear the rumble of their wheels and and oh good lord burbage caught his friend by the arm and leaned against him heavily he's here and following the wagons came rolling over the cobbles of the clink along the roadway outside the high boundary wall of the yard and as they came clear above their rumble and slow clatter of hoofs a voice like a trumpet declaimed into the night above all rivers thy river hath renown whose bury all streams pleasant and preclare under thy lusty wallies runneth down where many a swan doth swim with wing as fair where many a barge doth sail and row with air we had done better a murrain on their cobbles we had done better lad to step round by paul's wharf and take boat this jolting ill agrees with a man of my weight where many a barge doth sail and row with air grr did i not warn thee beware master wagoner of the curbstones at the corners we had done better by water what though it be dark lights of bankside on the water no such sight in europe they tell me my lord surrey took boat one night from westminster and fired into their windows with a stone bow breaking much glass drove all the longshore queens screaming into the streets in their night rails he went to the fleet for it a privy council matter i forgive the lad for my part for only think of it all those windows of flame on the river and no such river in europe where many a barge doth sail and row with air where many a ship doth rest with top royal o town of towns patron and not compare london thou art the flower of cities all whoop in the name of stammered nash as he listened burbage all the while clutching his arm 
he dropped from the top gallery i tell you clean into the pit from the top gallery and he weighs eighteen stone if an ounce your servant sir and of all the muses he says picking himself up and with that takes the hammer from my hand and plays pyrrhus in troy pyrrhus with all the ravening danai behind him for those hired scoundrels of mine took fire and started ripping out the bowels of the poor old theatre as though it had been the fleet and lodged all their cronies within it went down before my eyes like a sandcastle before the tide within three hours they had wiped the earth of it the lord be praised that philip gosson had ne'er such an arm nor could command such oh but he's a portent troy's horse and banks's bay gelding together are a fool to him he would harness them as samson did the little foxes and fire brushwood under their tails of a certainty you are drunk dick drunk i burbage gripped the other's thin arm hysterically if you want to see a man drunk come to the gate nay then stay where you are for there's no escaping him nor was there between them and the wagoner's lantern at the gate a huge shadow thrust itself the owner of it rolling like a ship in a seaway while he yet recited strong be thy wallace that about thee standest meaning the clink my son wise be the people that within thee dwellest which you may take for the inhabitants thereof fresh is thy river with his lusty standes blithe be thy churches well sounding be thy bellas well sounding is my belly master anyway put in a high thin voice and it calls on a gentleman of warwickshire to redeem his promise he shall he shall lad in the fullness of time but before dining ring at the bell says the proverb grope lad feel along the gate-posts if this yard this curtilage this base-court hath any such thing as bell or knocker and when they came to mary carlyle all in the morning tide uh, they found the gate shut them until about an every side uh, then adam bell beat on the gates with strokes great and strong uh, step warily lad plague of this forest have we brought timber to sherwood with strokes great and strong uh, the porter myrvied who was thereat and to the gates he throng uh. they called the porter to council and rang his neck in choa uh, and cast him in a deep dungeon and took his keys him from uh. within you rascal there with the lantern eh, but these two gentlemen it appears i cry your mercy sirs for calling us rascals nash stepped forward it hath been done to me before now in print upon as good evidence and to my friend here by act of parliament but seeing you with a common stable lantern yet diogenes was a gentleman put it that like him i am searching for an honest man then we are well met of faith we are very well met responded the countryman recognizing burbage's grave face and plum-coloured doublet or as one might better say well overtaken said burbage marry and with a suit i have some acquaintance sir with members of your honourable calling as in detail and at large i could prove to you either i have made poor use of it or i guess aright as i guess with confidence that after the triumph will come the speech-making and the suppers already bespoken 
at nance witwood's by the corner of paris garden sir where you shall be welcome i thank you sir but my suit is rather this young friend of mine to whom i have pledged my word he shall be welcome too he tells me sir that you are richard burbage i knew your father well sir an honest warwickshire man he condescended to my roof and tasted my poor hospitality many a time and belike you too sir being then a child may have done the same for i talk of prosperous days long since past nay so long since that twould be a wonder indeed had you remembered me the more pleasure it gives me sir to find james burbage's sappy virtues flourishing in the young wood and by the branch be reminded of the noble stock the happier am i sir to have given you welcome or ever i heard your claim faith said the apprentice to himself compliments begin to fly when gentlefolks meet but he had not bargained to sup in this high company and the prospect thrilled him with delicious terror he glanced nervously across the yard where some one was approaching with another lantern my claim the countryman answered burbage you have heard but a part of it as yet nay you have heard none of it since i use not past hospitalities with old friends to claim a return from their children my claim sir is a livelier one tom nash tom nash called a voice clear and strong and masculine from the darkness behind the advancing lantern anon anon sir quoth nash swinging his own lantern about and mimicking don't tell me there be yet more wagons arrived asked the voice six lad six as i hope for mercy and outside the gate at this moment there they must tarry then till our fellows take breath to unload em but six how is it managed think you has dick burbage called out the train bands to help him why hello dick what means the newcomer's eyes round with wonder as they rested a moment on burbage grew rounder yet as they travelled past him to the countryman father he stammered incredulous good evening will give you a good evening my son set down that lantern and embrace me like a good boy a good boy albeit a man of fame didst not see me then in the theatre this afternoon yet was i to the fore there methinks and proud to be called john shakespeare nay i was not there having other fish to fry shouldst have heard the applause lad it warmed your old father's heart yet twas no more than the play deserved a very neat pretty drollery upon my faith no man's son could have written a neater but what hath fetched you to london business business a touch too maybe of the old homesickness but business first dick quiney but pass me the lantern my son that i may take a look at thee ay thou hast sobered thou hast solidified thy beard hath ta'en the right citizen's cut twould have been a cordial to thy poor mother to see thee wear so staid a beard rest her soul there's nothing like property for filling out a man's frame firming his eye his frame bearing footstep talking of property i have been none so idle a steward for thee new place i have made habitable the house at least patched up the roof taken down and rebuilt the west chimney that was overleaning the road repaired the launders enlarged the parlour window run out the kitchen passage to a new back entrance 
the garden i cropped with peas this summer and have let lettuce and winter kale between the two apple trees whereof the whole are doing well and the mulberry likewise i look for to thrive well as, as i was saying dick quiney is in trouble again you need not tell none so bad but it could be mended by the thirty pounds whereof i wrote mitten will be security with him now that bushels draws back he offers better than those few acres at shottery you dealt upon in january land is land and ale is ale you may take up a mortgage on the brewhouse hast ever heard mr burbage john shakespeare swung about of a proverb we have down in our warwickshire it goes who buys land buys stones who buys meat buys bones who buys eggs buys shells but who buys ale buys nothing else and that sets me in mind will that these friends of yours have bidden me to supper and their throats will be dry and we keep em gaping at our country discourse here come i with thespis riding on a wagon but where tarries the vintage feast where be the spigots where be the roasted geese capons suckling pigs where the hogs puddings the trifles the custards the frumenties where the minstrels where the dancing girls i have in these three hours swallowed as many pecks of dust i am for the bucket before the manger and for good talk after both high brave translunary talk with wine in the veins of it hippocras with hippocrene with music too some little kickshaw what-nuts of the thurbo or vile de gamba pleasantly thrown in for interludes tis a fog-pated land i come from with a pestilent roomy drip from the trees and the country scarce recovered from last year's dearth dick quiney should have made the better prices for that dearth put in his son knitting his great brow thoughtfully with wheat at fifty shillings and oats the malt lad the malt his brew-house swallowed malt at twenty-eight or nine which a short two years before had cost him twelve and threepence the quarter a year of dearth i say it took poor dick at unawares but give him time he will pull round sure we be slow in the country but you have some in this town that will beat us how many years lad have i been battering the doors of harrow's college for that grant of arms promised ere my beard was grey and yours fully grown malt at twenty-eight you say last year lad a year of dearth call it a good twenty in these bettering times and wheat anything under forty-five shillings well we will talk it over his son seemed to come out of a brown study we will talk it over he repeated briskly and added how the chimney overleaning the road twas a stout enough chimney as i remember and might have lasted another twenty years where did you draw the bricks nash glanced at his friend with a puzzled smile burbage better used no doubt to the business-like ways of authors betrayed no surprise the apprentice stared scarcely believing his ears was this the talk of shakespeare nay rather the talk of justice shallow himself how a good yoke of bullocks at stamford fair how a score of ewes now a heavy tread approached from the gateway are we to bide here all night and on christmas morn too a gruff voice demanded unpack and pay us our wage or we tip the whole load of it into thames here the wagoner's shin encountered in the darkness with a plank 
and he cursed violently go you back to your horses my friend answered burbage the unloading shall begin anon as for your wage your master will tell you i settled it at the time i bargained for his wagons ay and paid i hold his receipt for ten pence a man mower's wages growled the wagoner i asked him his price and he fixed it tis the current rate i understand and a trifle over depends on the job i've been talking with my mates and we don't like it we're decent labouring men and shifting a lot of play-actors baggage don't come in our day's work i'd as lief wash dirty linen for my part therefore the fellow wound up lucidly you'll make it twelve pence a head master we don't take a groat less i see said burbage blandly two pence for salving your conscience eh? and so being a decent man you don't stomach players no nor the bankside at this hour o' night i live clean i tell you tis a godless neighbourhood and a violent burbage drew a silver whistle from his doublet and eyed it listen a moment master wagoner and tell me what you hear why well, hear music o sorts no christmas carols i warrant aught else ay a sound like a noise of dogs baying over yonder right again it comes from the kennels by the bear pit have you a wish my friend to make nearer acquaintance with these dogs no with the bears then say the word and inside of a minute i can whistle up your two pennyworth the wagoner with a dropping jaw stared from one to another of the ring of faces in the lantern light they were quiet determined only the apprentice stood with ears pricked as it were and shivered at the distant baying no offence sir i meant no offence you'll understand the wagoner stammered nay call your mates man spoke up william shakespeare sudden and sharp and with a scornful ring in his voice which caused our apprentice to jump call them in and let us hear you expound master burbage's proposal i am curious to see how they treat you having an opinion of my own on crowds and their leaders but the wagoner had swung around surlily on his heel i'll not risk disputing it he growled tis your own dunghill and i must e'en take your word that tis worse than e'er a man thought but one thing i'll not take back you're a muck of play actors and a man that touches you should charge for his washing Gah! he spat you're worse than patty ward's sow and she was no lavender four the bankside was demure but for the distant baying of dogs which kept him shivering our apprentice had been disappointed in the wickedness of it he had looked to meet with roisterers to pass amid a riot of taverns to happen belike upon a street scuffle to see swords drawn or perchance to come upon a body stretched across the roadway and hear the murderer's footsteps in the darkness running these were the pictures his imagination had drawn and shuddered at for he was a youth of small courage but the bankside was demure demure as cheap the waterside lanes leading to mistress whitwell's in the corner of paris gardens differed only from cheap in this that though the hour was past midnight every other door stood open or at least ajar showing a light through the fog through some of these doorways came the buzz and murmur of voices the tinkling of stringed instruments others seemed to await their guests but the lanes themselves were deserted 
from the overhanging upper stories lights showed here and there through the chinks of shutters or curtains once or twice in the shadows beneath our apprentice saw or thought he saw darker shadows draw back and disappear and gradually a feeling grew upon him that all these shadows all these lidded upper windows were watching following him with curious eyes again though the open doorways were bright as for a fete a something seemed to subdue the voices within a constraint perhaps an expectancy as though the inmates whispered together in the pauses of their talk and between the soft thrummings of strings he remarked too that his companions had fallen silent mother whitwell's door when they reached it stood open like the rest her house overhung a corner where from the main street a short alley ran down to paris garden stairs nash who had been leading along the narrow pavement halted outside the threshold to extinguish his lantern and at the same moment jerked his face upward aloft in one of the houses across the way a lattice had flown open with a crash of glass yesu help the cry ended in a strangling sob the hands that had thrust the lattice open projected over the sill by the faint foggy light of mother whitwell's doorway our apprentice saw them outstretched for a moment saw them disappear the wrist still rigid as some one drew them back into the room but what sent the horror crawling through the roots of his hair was the shape of these hands you there called nash snatching the second lantern from burbage's hand and holding it aloft towards the dim house front what's wrong within a woman's hand came round the curtain and felt for the lattice stealthily to close it there was no other answer what's wrong there demanded nash again go your ways the voice was a woman's hoarse and angry yet frightened withal the curtain still hid her haven't i trouble enough with these tetchy dwarfs that you must add to it by waking the streets dwarfs nash swung the lantern so that its rays fell on the house door below a closed door and stout studded with iron nails dwarfs he repeated let her be said burbage taking his arm i know the woman she keeps a brace of misbegotten monsters she picked up at wapping off a ship's captain he brought em home from the isle of serendip or cathay or some such outlandish coast or so she swears his word was swears doth she didst hear the poor things cry out ay like any christian as for aught i know it may be there's another tale that she found em down at gloucestershire at a country fair and keeps em pickled in walnut juice but monsters they be whether of gloucester or cathay for i have seen em and so hath the queen who sent for them the other day to be brought to westminster and there took much delight in their oddity while the others hesitated william shakespeare turned on his heel and walked past them into mother whitwell's lighted doorway his father glanced after him well to be sure the poor thing cried out like a christian he said but dwarfs and monsters be kittle-cattle to handle i am told as the lattice closed on their debate he linked his arm in the apprentices and they too passed into the doorway end of number ten part one